If there's a less sexy food in America than lettuce, I don't know what it is. It gets mocked from all directions. Macho meat lovers deride it as rabbit food. Trendy foodies laugh at iceberg and romaine as hopelessly square and fill their salads with endive and radicchio. The food is nutrition crowd says it's worthless and wants you to substitute kale. If you make fun of lettuce, chances are good that everyone around you will laugh right along. Not today, though. Today, we're going to celebrate lettuce. I'll visit with lettuce growing specialist Carrie Restino at our Homer Hilltop farm and help Terry Roble make a Caesar salad. It's summertime in Homer, the height of lettuce season. My name is Jeff Lockwood, and it's time to check the pantry. Garden lettuce is known to botanists as Lactuca sativa, Lactuca, or milky, for the sticky sap that flows out of cut stems, and sativa, which means cultivated. It was first domesticated by the Egyptians around 2600 BCE and was picked up by the Greeks and then the Romans. While it made a few inroads into Asia, especially in China, which today accounts for half of the world's lettuce production, its need for a cool growing season and the fact that it doesn't keep well meant that its main area of culinary importance has always been north of the Mediterranean. Lettuce's poor keeping qualities don't matter when the garden bed is right outside your door, though, and the ease with which it is grown makes it maybe the most popular home-cultivated vegetable in the world. It's so easy to grow, in fact, that it is the first vegetable to be grown in outer space. Stephen Swanson, an American astronaut on the International Space Station, grew red romaine lettuce in specially engineered dirt pods, and the space station crew ate them with oil and vinegar. Throughout most of its history, lettuce was considered as important a medicine as it was a food. The milky sap actually does contain a very mild narcotic colloquially known as lettuce opium. It was eaten by the Romans after dinner to relax, and it was known in England as sleepwort. Now, though, it's perhaps most closely associated with disease, usually consumed raw and subject to the frequently indifferent sanitation practices of large-scale industrial farming. It's been at the epicenter of numerous outbreaks of foodborne illness, including salmonella, listeria, and E. coli. There's a lot to criticize about the local food movement. Originating in Northern California, which is a climatic paradise for a huge range of agricultural products, it's often blind to the difficulties faced by those who live far from temperate zones. But there's a lot of value in it, too, especially with something like lettuce, so easy to grow that anyone with a little bit of sun and a little bit of dirt can manage it. It's unreservedly true that local lettuce is going to be better pretty much anywhere in the world you live. Just mind the slugs. So my name is Carrie Restino, and uh, we are standing here on the sunny grass lawn of Homer Hilltop Farm on Diamond Ridge. And um, we grow a lot of things. We grow peonies, we grow vegetables, and we grow a lot of salad greens. So I'm looking around, and I was just in the peony fields, but we're done with peonies right now. Where's Lead me to the lettuce. Lead you. Okay, this way. So this high tunnel is the first tunnel that um, we put up uh, using the NRCS program. That would have been eight years ago. And the NRCS, that was the... Well, it's federal funds. Because they, they had a program where they were... It was loans for high tunnels or grants? I can't remember. Well, it's a, it's a rebate program. So you, you, you pay out of pocket and they give you a certain amount of money per square foot. Uh -huh. They also pay you some money to work with your soil nutrition so you take soil samples at different times of the year so 
We started out in little PVC hoop houses that are just um, put together with really simple materials, six mil construction grade plastic, and mm. they were great, but to start out, they cost about $250, and they certainly gave you a lot more control over your environment and a, and a season booster in the beginning of the right. year, but they weren't very sustainable. As soon as I learned I could get something like this, uh, it's about the size of an aircraft carrier, I always think, <laughs> hanger. It's, it's 2,100 square feet. This one is 30 by 72. It's just a massive uh, structure. So yeah, we, it's all metal framed. And... Very, and this particular model is very beefy. They don't even make these anymore, unfortunately. You know, it's a, a huge investment of time and money and resources. You have to flatten the soil first. Um, so you've got a, a, quite a bit of money in doing prep of the site. It was a big investment and to start out, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I mainly really enjoyed, I grew up on a farm uh, in Nova Scotia. Oh, really? And my father and mom went um, up to Nova Scotia from New England in the 60s and 70s uh -huh. and um, bought 75 acres there and had a mostly subsistence farm. They mm -hmm. didn't sell anything. Um, but as I became a mom and was trying to figure out what I was wanting to do with my life uh, and what I wanted to teach my kids, I really reverted back to farming. So starting out, I started out doing a little tomatoes and some other stuff like that. Quickly realized that was not a great crop for Alaska. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, funny. That, that's actually one of the running themes for yeah. this show is, is, is how, how impossible it is to get a decent tomato. Well, and you know, you can get a decent tomato, but you can't get it until the end of August. And that's a lot of time where this whole space is used up without any money coming in. And at the end of the day, if you don't have a great season, it's um, yeah. a loss. So so obviously you've diversified. I see quite a bit of different plants in here. There's what some trees back there. And... Yep, we've got some a couple apple trees in here. But this is mainly um, the salad tunnel. This used to be everything for us. The this was our first tunnel, for, and it, we didn't put up a second one for a long time. We had hoop houses in addition to this. But but as I started to learn, you know, the market uh, small scale agriculture. There's a huge wealth of information out there these days on YouTube and books and, you know, Jean-Martin Fortier and all these guys that are doing it and making money off it. And so I just studied their stuff like nobody's business all winter long every winter and came up with different ideas. So, you know, it all starts with the 30 inch bed and now there's all these awesome implements for that which i'll show you some of later you're gonna love them so as i started to get a little deeper into it i realized how productive um greens were and and you know it's something we really actually need here because if you buy your clamshell here at Safeway or Save You More, you are going to be buying something that's traveled thousands of miles in often really crappy conditions. Uh, it's going to go yucky on you yeah. in a matter of days sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes when you open it. Exactly. <laughs> and that's so frustrating when yeah. you want some fresh greens. And even if it is okay, they usually, they don't taste that great. Right. You know, they're varieties that are there for keeping and exactly. not, not for eating. I mean, for they sure. are, greens yep. are definitely like, to me, one of the, one of the things that it's almost not worth buying if it's not local and and i didn't really get that you know i didn't know my greens from a hole in the wall when i started out on this you know but as i i started playing around with the varieties and and coming up with different things i learned you know how much flavor you can get out of a salad and it's awesome so slowly started transitioning to more and more greens and uh, now i'd say it makes up about half of what we do um vegetable wise on the farm okay. that's there's a big demand right now is kind of the lull because most of the people in Homer have their own little gardens. Right. And right now the salad greens are great. In a couple of weeks, the slugs are going to move <laughs> in and take them out. And if you don't know how to succession plant, uh, you don't know that you've got to keep planting starts all year long. I'm really bad at that. Yeah, everybody is. <laughs> everybody is. So that's why I'm here. That's the hard part. You know, well, you know, you kind of think, oh, I'll just throw oh. them out and they'll be great. And they yeah. are for a while. Yeah. And then they either bolt and yeah. they, they get bitter and gross yeah. or yeah. The, like, the slugs yeah. are currently yeah. in the process of moving into my garden absolutely and, me too uh, yep okay well let's since we're on the subject yep. actually let's talk about slugs uh-huh <laughs> so in your professional opinion <laughs> they're really bad <laughs> okay so so what, what what do you do to get rid of them 
Well, I have two tactics. One involves really cheap beer and a red beer mug. Um, the beer mug gets buried at the soil line and you put just about an inch of beer in there. I have tried doing the yeast uh, fermentation thing under the idea that it was just yeast that they were going after. Failed miserably. They like beer. Um, so, And the best part about the the slug cups, which are truly disgusting, <laughs> is that after they get a few slugs in them, you can pull the um, cup out and take it to your ducks. Oh, and yeah. then your ducks are getting beer-soaked slugs, which is like the kindest thing you could do to a duck, I think, really. Um, so, but in addition to that, we use a lot of sluggo. I mean, really, sluggo is the bomb. You have to apply it in such a way so that it doesn't get on the leaves of the greens. Uh -huh. You have to get it down on the soil. But um, we, you know, apply a lot of a lot of sluggo. It's more difficult in these greens that are densely planted. You have to kind of um, put it in little pockets down right at is the ground. Is it like a pellet or? Yeah, but it, I'll show you. Um, it gets, it almost looks like it molds. Well, I think it does mold once it gets moist and the slugs eat it and die. So you're looking out here and we've got eight rows. There's a bed of kale and a bed of old radishes on the sides, but everything else is greens. You've got one bed that um, has just been turned over. So at the far end of the tunnel, you'll see some spicy green mustard with a lot of flower seeds, mm -hmm. uh, flower flowering heads and bolting action going on. And that is um, what happens, you know, after a plant has really lived its loose, useful life. And then we'll come through and pull all that out and feed it to our ducks and chickens and uh, replant. We'll put a little bit of compost on the top of the soil and just replant right into that with, um, we've got a bunch of different seeders that seed things kind of at a optimal spacing so you don't get um, anything too tight or too loose. So are you generally planting uh, your lettuces direct from seed or are you transplanting? Both. Okay. Um, so this, these beds here right in front of us are with the uh, leafy greens mm -hmm. are um, Salanova lettuces. And okay. uh, people joke I'm the Salanova queen because I love these. They're Johnny's, but I think other, other companies sell them as well. Um, there's five or six different varieties. Some are head lettuce, butterheads. We'll see some of those mm -hmm. elsewhere. But these are these frilly greens. And um, you can cut them down to about an inch and they regrow. So okay. right in front of us, you'll see some that uh, are fully, um, probably they haven't been cut for two weeks. Uh -huh. And then next to them are ones that were probably cut last week. And you can already see they've got about an inch and a half of new growth and they will grow back so that you can't tell the difference between the two of them. And what are these, uh, what is this particular lettuce? Is it, what's its flavor profile? Is it one of the bitterer ones? Or? The red one has a little bit of bitterness at different times of year that changes. They're really sweet in the spring, you know, when you have the cooler temperatures. Uh -huh. We had definitely more of a bitter profile as the heat came up that heat wave and the younger plants were way better than the older ones so there you know there's a point where these plants you know need to be pulled out and new heads transplanted in even though they're being wonderfully productive this year i mean really it's kind of a, a mind-boggling year for to be a farmer <laughs> do you just keep tasting them and then yep. one, one week you're like yeah yep. too bitter uh, done yeah yep. and we're right on the edge with some of these reds we we do that as we're harvesting you uh -huh. know we're like yeah but uh uh, the greens are definitely way better that way. The Salanova lettuces we plant into cover cloth so that we don't have to deal with any weed pressure. Okay. Um, and in general, are your your mixes like that with that that contain like non lettucey things? Mm -hmm. Are you harvesting those earlier? So that you don't get the more intense bitter flavors or right. do you let some of them go well they do go <laughs> we'll walk down and you'll see a, a bed you know it's sort of like overnight they'll go right. in this kind of climate but um uh mostly this is just about perfect harvesting so the leaves are just um two three inches mm -hmm. in size and and we'll use what's called a quick cut greens harvester which is kind of like a a little lawnmower uh, attachment then it comes along and you just cut it right at the right height and uh, then we mix that um, that variety in with the salanovas so the salanova provides a bulk and the the asian veggies provide a uh, a little variety in there and and that that's a, a wonderful um way to make a salad and then i also plant many of the things that you find in this asian mix separately um 
like we have some red mustard, which interestingly um, started out the season so mild that I was putting it in to my mild mix. And now it's so hot that, of course, it's going into the spicy mix. So different times a year, they have totally different flavor profiles. The most challenging part about doing any kind of salad operation is getting your rotations right. So you have new plants coming on. Some beds don't do so great. You're trying to balance everything out so that you have, you know, one part mustard greens, one part salanova, one you know, one part something else. What kind of, of uh, succession planting schedule do you use? Like how often are you starting new seeds? We plant about, every two weeks we plant about 20 22 um, six-pack uh, trays. So there's 72 cells in a, in a flat. Um, so we're planting 22 flats of You'd have to do the math on that, but it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, so there's a, a, a you know a huge stacks of uh, of trays of greens constantly every couple of weeks, and All then right. and then you know we're hoping to get three weeks of harvest off of one area, 180 feet, and then we rotate on to another area. Okay. Um, and how early can you start planting in here? So I think I planted these very salanovas probably in the beginning of april okay we had a warm spell in mid-april and i planted everything out then it got cold and everything just sat there yeah. which is fine but um then it, it picked back up in may but um some years you'll get uh, you know the they are really only dependent on the soil temperature and the top two or three inches uh -huh. so if you have you know a nice sunny stretch even if it's still cold outside it's going to get 80 degrees in this high tunnel and it'll warm that soil up just enough to get everything cooking do you start your seeds in here or do you have a, like a starting greenhouse well we do have a little uh, we call it the nursery um and then uh, and that's heated um so we definitely we'll even keep them in the house until they germinate because right. certain plants will take exponentially more time to germinate um in cooler temperatures so a 60 degree greenhouse it'll take a week to germinate it'll take two or three days in a 70 degree house right so um but then we'll move them out into the little greenhouse and before we just kept everything in the house and just yeah, that's lived how I, with starts that's how i do it <laughs> i have a shelf yep <laughs> yep yep so so we are at the legendary Terry Robles house this week. She's gonna make us a salad. Some flavor, I don't know what yet. Um, I think we're gonna do Caesar salad. All right. It's my favorite to make and eat. And it's the other fisherman's favorite to eat. And we have lettuce growing in the garden that's perfect for it. And so if that's okay with you. I love Caesar salad. Awesome, I do too. Everybody has their own little twist on it. Oh, there's you know? a twist. Well, you know, it's a little different. We All right, just, the Robo Garden. The Robo Garden. All right, so here we go. Oh, here's the lettuce. Here's the lettuce. Romaine. Yeah, we got a little romaine. Which is the classic Caesar, Caesar and, and lettuce. It, it was pretty good. It wasn't, it didn't get real, real high, but you know, I just as soon eat it before the slugs get at it. Do you have a slug problem here? No, but I see one right now. No, a lot of people do. I do. Oh boy. You're lucky. I know. I know, I know, I have a lot of friends with slug problems. All right, here we are back in the kitchen. In the fabulous Robo kitchen. <laughs> it is a fine place to. Man, look at all these copper pots. I'm jealous. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Let's see what we got for dirt. I just cut off the bottom, but this lettuce is lovely. It's green, nice and green and robust and healthy looking. And I just um, tickle I can go and cut something out of my own garden to cook with. That's a really fun thing for me to do. Yeah, it's nice this time of year when you can do that and don't have to. Dog likes it too. Your dog likes lettuce? Yeah, he likes crunchy lettuce. <laughs> he loves it. I washed my lettuce the other night when I was making salad because it had mud on it. But this looks pretty clean. This looks pretty clean. You know what? I, I don't always wash it anymore. I don't either. So good. I'm glad I we mean, agreed on it, that. So, if there, so what if there's a little dirt? A little dirt's good for you. Exactly. Yeah, that's what my grandma says. 
It gives it that earthy taste. So um, we're going to make croutons for our salad. And I think that's probably why I like Caesar salad, because of the bread. <laughs> croutons are my favorite part of the salad. I know. I love them. So I'm going to preheat our oven here. So when I do my croutons, I like to have a bread that's not real fresh. So we've got eight loaves of bread here. And <laughs> Four leaves of romaine. Yeah. What's your point? <laughs> and uh, uh, this is some sourdough that I had, like a little baguette. And I like it when, I don't know, Jeff, how would you say that when the when the crumb is tight? Yep. So if you have a, like a loose bread, your croutons are going to be fluffier. Yeah. And they won't have that big crunch to them. It's and, true. Yeah. Artisan, and, that, that yeah. big, big bubbled artisan bread, it never makes great croutons. Exactly. It's amazing. You know, any port in the storm, though, I've made croutons with hot dog buns before because I was desperate oh, yeah. for croutons. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of people cut the crusts off. I, I don't. I'm not a, I'm not I'm, a crust I'm guy. Not I like crust. Pretty. I love crust. Yeah. I mean, the only the only reason to do it to, for me is, uh, you know, if, if, if it's really important that everything be uniform. Right. You know, right. which, yeah. I mean, at home, who cares? I know. <laughs> Actually, I prefer it that way. So I, I'm going to grab one of my handy dandy little copper pots to I put butter and olive oil on my croutons to roast them and if you have a garlic person in your life you might want to put a little bit of that on them as well or garlic salt but mm, I don't so usually we make two dressings a garlic Caesar dressing and a non-garlic Caesar dressing wow. that's okay and so I just put salt on these guys so butter olive oil all right. And I just let them um, bake in a cookie sheet until they're a little crunchy. What temp? Um, 325, 350, just depends on what your oven does. Yeah. So the Caesar salad we're going to make today is a lemon Caesar salad. I found the recipe a really, really long time ago in some crazy cookbook. And I made it, and it was the family favorite. It doesn't have egg in it. The egg component. What? Wait, 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 wait. It's not a real Caesar salad. No egg. No, it's the right. egg component is complete, uh, replaced with sour cream. Interesting. A, little, a dollop of sour cream. Interesting. And, and we prefer it that way only probably because we've been eating it like that for 25 right. years. I get the egg thing and um, go for it. You know, if you would rather put an egg yolk in it instead of the tablespoon of sour cream, it's basically the same recipe. It's a little heavier on the lemon juice and it also has lemon zest in it. Oh. And because I'm such a lemon freak, yeah, 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 it's all good with me. So it's super so, lemony. It's super lemony, and but, it's going to be real tangy because I'm sure the sour cream. Well, the sour cream is yeah, going to be tangier it, it, than it, the. Yeah, uh, it is. But you know, it just and it just depends too. It's like every time I make this, I've probably made it over a hundred times. It tastes a little different. Yeah, I'm sure. Mr. Van Marks at the Marks Brothers would laugh at the way I make a Caesar salad, but <laughs> this is just one way, and he makes several different versions. So we have yes, anchovies. Anchovies. Ooh, you have three different kinds of I anchovies. I do, and I'm I'm gonna let you pick which ones we use today, because um, a lot of times I'll use anchovy paste uh -huh. when I'm lazy, um, and that's that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Mark, and without knowing it. He likes the anchovies that are whole and um, macerated, yep. and um, he—I think they have a little more flavor to them, or something. I think they do too. Um, and I feel like the texture is better too. Yes, this is this is a okay. So these guys here are wild white anchovies, anchovies with extra virgin olive oil. They're from Morocco, and then we have the Napoleon brand, which you can find in the grocery, and those are a product of Peru. And then we have King Oscar. That's the one I usually wind up with. And, and I don't really know why. And, I've never really done a taste test of anchovies. And but. You know what? That would be cool to do. Um, these are also from Peru. So there we go. Well, uh, let's try the Moroccan ones. I know. I was thinking that would be fun. Yeah. So these are the wild white anchovies. Yeah. Okay. So our oven's ready. So I better get my butter melting. I'm just, know? I'm jealous of that little pan. She's got this tiny, <laughs> what is that? Like a it's cup a little, and a half pan, yeah, maybe? Yeah, it's like a cup, maybe. And, uh, little copper pan. Yeah, it probably, it's so sweet. I want one. I want one of those so you bad. Want one? Just know, for melting cute? butter. That's exactly why I got it. And it'd be actually, you know what else would be good for is melting <laughs> caramel at home. So I'm cutting my little crouton breads up and I'm putting them on my big old sheet pan here. And as you can hear the bubbles, this little copper pan makes short work of melting. I mean, it's amazing that the heat yeah. conductiveness is up. 
awesome. I'm just, I'm in love with that pan. I wanna, <laughs> well, it's small enough that I could probably steal it. I was just going to say if... if <laughs> Although if, I don't know if I want to steal the chief of police's wife's <laughs> copper pan, I might... <laughs> I, I was going to say it's small enough that, that it would fit in your little bag there. And, it would. Well, you know... Um, okay, so I'm just gonna put a little salt on here. I just have some fine sea salt, but you can sprinkle your kosher on it. I usually put quite a bit on it. For some reason, bread seems to really absorb a lot of salt when mm -hmm. you do it like this. So the oven's ready, and in the pan goes. Mm. Voila, there we are, okay. All right, the salad's made. Yes. What, are the, what are all the leaves for? The leaves? Oh, those <laughs> are for the dog. Oh. <laughs> You know how people always say you should tear your lettuce? I do know that. And, and you know, I want to know how you feel about that. Because I cut it too. I cut it and I tear it. I know? have done both. Um, okay. And, and you know, I guess I like the, the you know, how it's uniform when you cut it. I don't know. I'm going to tear it for the show. Okay? I prefer, personally, I prefer tearing it. Unless you, unless there is an overwhelming need to cut it. Uh-huh you know, and have like some uniformity. I like tearing it. I think it looks better. And I do too. I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I feel like it keeps better. So but that's I, not science. I don't know for I, sure. You know, I think it's got something to do with maybe the metal of the blade. Um, I, I don't know. Well, this, this lettuce is pretty nice. Um, it doesn't have real thick, um, heavy ribs. Ribs. Oh. And because um, a lot of times if there's a lot of rib in it, I'll cut some of them out. Oh, really? Yeah, but uh, hmm. I think just something that my girlfriend started doing when I was cooking, first started cooking, and it, it was just something I did. So I have this really cool, beautiful bowl that my girlfriend gave me for my birthday many, many years ago that's made by a local potter, and it's just kind of this shallow... Is that an Annette, or is that a Lisa Wood? It's an Annette, and I love it. And usually when I make the salad, um, I will have the bowl and the lettuce. I'll keep it cool until mm -hmm. I serve it. And so it, the lettuce doesn't get wilty. And um, so we can shove it in the fridge if we want. I like that. And I, and I, I do want to mm -hmm. say that this is this is a really wide, shallow bowl. It's almost, it's it's almost more of a platter. And so you're just yep. going to leave it right on there and make your whole salad right on here. I am. And um, it, I like it because usually when I make when I have this bowl out, it's with people, lots of people at my table, mm -hmm. and it's a really um, pretty thing, and it's easy to do because it makes a lot of salad, and it's just um, the perfect size for a group of folks. So. It's quite lovely. Thank you. You know, one of these days, actually, I, I think it would be fun to do a show just on serving dishes. I think it would because be I too. think they're I think they're an underrated ingredient. You know what? They're a hugely underrated ingredient. <laughs> This is the nursery. We hardly keep anything in here right now, but you can see some seed. She just planted 10 trays. Right. So right now we're planting, we'll pl probably plant 30 trays because right now is when we want the starts to start. That'll carry us all the way through the fall. And how long, how late do you, are you able to keep going? Like mid-October. Oh, wow. Yep. Depends. Right. Yeah. Alaska. But if you have cover cloth on things and... Um, we have a CSA that goes through mid-October, um, and usually we can keep salad greens, you know, most salad greens will do just fine down to like 22 degrees. Really? Yep. So these are, this is an example of the hoop houses that we used to, um, we don't even want to step in there because it's too hot. In the back you'll see a bed of arugula completely bolting. I only got one harvest off that before. Me it too. Just went to it the... went nuts this year. I couldn't <sighs> believe it. It was like, it was there and I was like, oh, I need to go harvest that. And I was, a, and I got, I got a big batch. Mm -hmm. And then like two days later it was, boom. yeah, I need yeah. to pull it. <laughs> yeah, Cause that's lot. definitely one. Mm -hmm. That's definitely one that once it bolts, it's like inedible. And spinach. Yeah. yeah stupid. <laughs> but these hoop houses are interesting cause you don't lose the heat up like you do in the high tunnels. Right. So they're even better in the fall, actually. So the big advantage of a high tunnel over this is that it, it's going to be a little bit cooler and not so like right. particularly on hot day. Like I yeah. bet it was roasting in here oh, in yeah. that 
We have the, the sides that you can pull up, which they actually should be totally pulled up right now. You can get the cross ventilation and usually, you know, the outdoor temperature is in the 60s and right. that's just about perfect for lettuce. Uh, when we had those 85 degree days, man, yeah. it was not helping our cause at all. Yeah, I have a greenhouse and it was, I mean, it was- Unbelievable. It was hot. well over a hundred. And now we're walking back to one of your other, and we're walking through this fireweed oh. that is like, I mean, it's it's mid-July and it's almost to the top, yeah. <laughs> which is just wrong. It's really crazy here. Um, so a couple years ago, I got to have uh, the opportunity to buy some more land because I pretty much used up all my land, the two acres that I started out with. So I got a chance to, through a USDA program, get a, an emerging farmer loan. And um, that's how we wound up with 13 more acres quite a view out here especially with the fireweed right now i mean we're just it's like purple fields so beautiful right? um so these are the head lettuces okay. of the salanova that i wanted to show you oh we're look at that kind of almost wow. in the middle of the rotation but if we go down there you'll be able to see maybe what they look like these most of these have actually been cut uh -huh. and are oh, yeah, regenerating when they haven't been cut they they're much flatter than this we may be able to see some in the other tunnel there, um, but they're just beautiful. Like at the farmer's market, they just draw people in, even if they have no interest in buying lettuce. Right. They're, they're stunning. I mean, they, they, they almost look like lettuce pine cones. Yeah. They're <laughs> flowers, you know, and when you've got 80 feet of them, it's an amazing sight. So they have a variegated leaf, but the beautiful thing about these Salanova head lettuces is in addition to the fact that, you know, they taste great is that they, when you cut them, you get individual leaves that are just the right size for a bite of salad. Mm -hmm. So they aren't um, this big chunk of lettuce. And uh, so it's almost like they're they're just perfectly created for a salad mix. And uh, that makes our lives really easy. Very sweet, very... Um, I've yeah. never I've never seen these before. These are really interesting. Yeah, they're great. And they don't mold in the center like a lot of them do. Right. Um, this is one of our newest tunnels. We named them all after the volcanoes oh. because we couldn't keep, you know, we do one, two, three, four, and nobody knew which one I was talking about. Right. <laughs> so which one's this one? This is Iliamna. All right. So they go, you know, Douglas, Augustine, Iliamna. So here's another example of those same head lettuce. This one's almost mature uh -huh. and it's just a beautiful. Oh yeah, um, that one's flat as opposed yeah, to the other one. Yeah, much more much flat. Conier. Yep. We do a lot of, um, red russian kale uh, and we try and cut it at, uh, when it's really young this bed's a little bit older uh, we do that in the mixes as well and arugula at times so but right now is the time of year when we kind of move our lettuce production outside because okay. these tunnels are pretty hot right. and um, it's better to plant these the beginning of august to take us all the way through to do that you have to crop rotate out everything so you have the space to put in the new stuff at the beginning of august so gotcha. so if we go down this way we'll go to the outdoor garden oh, outside uh -huh. see mama moves. yep very new tracks mm. they're trying to figure out how to get in look at them they're just like Woo! Yep. i know we got something good here one day <laughs> mm -hmm. they, they have a real knack for uh finding when yeah. stuff is ready too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know my wife's definitely come home uh, after, you know, she's been like, oh, I'm going to come home from work. I'm going to yeah, harvest, harvest today. today. And oh, then yep, she comes yep. home and there's, Boom. there's a moose that moose somehow chunks. like yep. managed to get in the garden. Yep. I've had that <laughs> very experience. So here we are in the outdoor field and, uh, you know, it's a classic um, garden, except for that we've pretty much covered everything we possibly can with Taipar right. and we burn holes in it as a weed block, which is, Definitely one of the secrets to the success of the market gardener. What kind of uh, soil amendments do you use in here? Yeah, a lot of um, fish meal, fish bone meal, blood meal, uh, green sand, um, lots of lime, tons of lime. Yeah. And we soil test at least once a year, Okay. Um, sometimes a couple times a year. Ooh, that is some nutty arugula. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. Mm, That's so really good. good. What variety is that? Good question. <laughs> I'll let you know when I get up to the house and look at my seed packets. Um, because wow, I mean, I'm... that's like eating a, it's like eating a walnut. Mm, really good. It's a lot better than mine was. <laughs> mm. Well, you know, it's the cooler temperatures for arugula are a really big deal. Right. Definitely. So I think this is the arugula, arugula, uh, variety mm. and that 
It might be the same. Oh, this is that same one. Mmm, that's so good. This is a, a mix, another Asian mix, and it has Mizuna in it. I really like Mizuna. It's got a super mild flavor, but um, it gets really big really fast and dominates mm. this whole bed. Mm -hmm. So for the purposes of a greens harvesting operation, you can only get one or two cuts before the Mizuna takes over. <laughs> but, um, you know, it has a tatsoi, and um, mm. I think this is another kind of tatsoi. Maybe it's called red flash. That's the one I was trying to remember. And then the red Russian kale. And, and the different things grow better at different times of year. We're just starting to get past the crazy bolting period and, and things will start reacting to the decreasing light now. Mm -hmm. So it'll be a lot easier to grow some of this stuff, but it's wonderful. Is it, is it the light that triggers the bolting? Mm -hmm. No. It's not the heat? I don't think so. My experience is it's time of year depend doesn't mm -hmm. really matter whether it's super hot but maybe it's both yeah i don't know mm -hmm. hmm. you're gonna have See, a lot of footage of me munching <laughs> i got a bunch of me too <laughs> we have four high tunnels two hoop houses and so i think that's about twenty thousand square feet under plastic and then about a quarter acre, maybe a little less than a quarter acre of outdoor garden, but not all of it's used at any time because we do some cover crops and circulate that. So we put back into the soil what we can. So this gadget here is called the Quick Cuts Greens Harvester. Uh-huh. And it uh, has a DeWalt drill attached to it and a reciprocating blade that looks kind of like a one of those meat cutters, electric meat knives. Uh -huh. And then it has something that looks kind of like a car wash uh, on the top of it. And, yeah, uh, it's a little piece of lime just yep. sort of hanging off it. And you, uh, you run the drill and the car wash turns around and it'll cut the, the blade will cut the greens and the car wash will throw them into the basket. There's uh -huh. like a canvas basket behind here. So it goes like that. Oh, well, that's super cool. So it just rides up on top of the uh, up on top of the irrigation lines. Yeah, you got to be careful about that. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. sounds like you're saying that from experience. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, so you just uh, you just go along, and I think I probably should be replacing the blade right about now because the fact that it's pushing some of these over says uh -huh. to me that it's not quite cutting as well as it could. But but wow. it, cuts, it basically cuts your salad just about perfect. It would take me, with another person and a knife, 20 minutes to cut 15 feet by hand. Yeah. This takes maybe a minute or two. Wow. That's substantial if you're trying to deal with uh, labor as your number one expense. I always sort of wondered how the, the small-scale people managed well you know? a lot of them just stopped doing greens for a long time because you know head lettuces were fine but those kinds of greens harvesting operations were actually i'll carry this back so i noticed you don't really have you don't do head lettuce at all um those except for those salanova butterheads we do as a head lettuce right. as well as in the greens but you don't do butter crunches or mm -hmm. romaine or no i have in the past but um lots of other people do those too so you kind of you know, do what you're best at. Right. Specialize. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, I definitely, I could probably sell a few heads of romaine, but I found that a lot of them didn't sell, so. Oh, really? People get really excited about spicy mustard and lettuce mixed together. Well, and the other <laughs> so. nice thing about salad mix is uh, once you buy it in the bag, you don't really have to, you don't have to sort oh, yeah. it, you don't have to really tear it or yep. wash it or... And my uh, beautiful lettuce from our garden is chilling. I am going to make the dressing. All right. And so I always have lemon in my house. I always, always have lemon in my house. This lemon came out of the fridge. And there's a little trick if you put it in the microwave for a little bit, you get more juice out of it. I've never heard that. <gasps> it works really good. That's pretty interesting. I, mean, I usually do, you know, if I have a lemon, especially the thicker th uh -huh. skinned ones, you know. Uh -huh. I usually like roll yeah, it on Yeah, and that. it works really good too. Yeah. 
if you will remember, we are doing the wild white anchovies. And they almost have um, the aroma of tuna. And they almost taste like it. Oh, they do smell like tuna. Oh my God, that's crazy. Should, should we use those or well, I'm gonna, others? Uh, I'm gonna try, try one. I'm gonna try, try one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, because, what do you think? Are they weird? Maybe we should send them home with you. <laughs> I actually, no, they taste really good, but they taste like tuna. I know. I don't think I want to put tuna in my my salad. They really do taste like tuna. I know. They're they're pretty. Yeah, they're it's delicious and it has a really nice texture, but it, it tastes like high quality tuna. All right. We're Instead going... of having the funk that I know. that, an ant, that I, I I'm know used they're to. not. Are they fishy? I mean, I wouldn't say they're fishy. I think I just think that they taste like high quality tuna. Yeah, I just stuck my fingers. It's in delicious, oil. but all right. Well, I want an anchovy anchovy. But I wouldn't. But yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have like that funk that that you want you know like it doesn't right. taste yeah. almost fermented you know yeah anchovy umami funk right right exactly that's yeah. a good name for a rock band mm. or sweet no oh that's good oh sorry <laughs> no i'm just anchovies. i'm just eating the anchovy and i'm like that's like that's the flavor that you want that, in is, the Caesar the salad. that is not the flavor you want no it's not it's not that this is bad it's right. just it's that just... is totally not what i was well i'm glad expecting. you tried this though i am too this is great this is, this is fantastic radio terry thank you so I'm thinking. So we're going with the uh, with the red label, the red going, can, yep, King we're, Oscars. We're going with the, the basic. Because they roast. have, they bring the funk. All right, they're golden brown. They're kind of crunchy, and they're really hot. So we're gonna let them hang out here before we start sneaking tastes of them. I'm having a. I'm having you a. You have an anchovy. Thing. No, I'm having. A, I'm having a brainstorm that I've never tried before. What? But what if, what if instead of using olive oil in your croutons? What if you use this anchovy oil? And I have done that. No way. Yeah, way. High five. Thanks. I have done that. How is it? It's excellent. The flavor. I mean, why dump the, the wonderful oil? So um, I'm getting up my handy dandy microplane zester. And so this recipe asks for a tablespoon of uh, lemon zest. And I just eyeball it because that's what I do. And you don't want to get the white part of the lemon in it because the pith is bitter. And now we are going to juice our lemon. So there's a few seeds going in here. So I'm just going to strain it when I add it to my bowl of lemon zest. I love lemon. It smells so good. It makes everything wonderful. If it's missing something, it either needs salt or lemon, right? So now we're going to take some of our little anchovies and we're going to take these little fillets out and kind of How many are you going to use for this? Uh, this is what this is. So this is one head of romaine and you've got. This is one head of romaine. I'd say it's about average size. Yeah. And I'd say it would feed four or five, six people depending on. As an appetizer. Yeah. Yeah. As an appetizer, which we do all so the time. That's what, about five fillets? So there's about five here. I'm thinking we'll go one more. I think and it's important to note too, like with the Caesar salad, like, you know, even if you don't like eating anchovies straight, mm -hmm. it's totally fine to put a ton in your dressing it, because it you're is. not going to, it doesn't, it doesn't taste like it's not the same flavor. It's not, you know, something about intermingling with the, with the lemon juice and the olive oil and the garlic and all that stuff alters it. it, it and it becomes, it becomes both less intense and an incredible like supporting role. Without it, it it's not the same thing at all. Without it, it's not even close. I mean, I, I've had that happen and don't even try to do it without it. And and people that think, oh, anchovies, ick. Well, you don't even have to tell them they're in there. They, they won't. Yeah. No. It, it's just, a, it's a whole, it's a briny, rich, depth, tight on flavor that you gotta have. And if you don't have it, you're gonna miss it. So I noticed that you, you haven't mentioned it. You're trying to sneak something by me. Well, you know, when <laughs> many, many years ago, I went to Italy and we took a cooking class and the chef always said to take out the middle green portions of the onion or the scallion or the garlic because they were bitter. And I've always done that. I've never questioned it. I've never tasted them. And just recently I read something in one of my cooking magazines that says you don't have to do that. So I don't know. So I've, I've taken them out, but I probably don't have to. Um, have you 
had experience with that? No, I, I actually don't have an opinion on it because I have also heard both things. Yeah. And I've never, I generally don't take them out and I don't think that it's made my food bad. I don't think so either. But I don't yeah. know that it couldn't have made it better. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Jeff. So anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of these cooking things that like, know. you know, you're, right. you'll you'll sit next to somebody and they'll be like, well, you know, it's very important that you do this. And if you don't do this, you're a terrible cook. And then you're it turns right. out like so half the time it's not even true. I'm going to put a little of our anchovy oil in with our um, anchovies and garlic. Yeah, you are. Give it a little flavor because why not? It's olive oil that the anchovies have been hanging out in. Okay, so the anchovies are they're breaking down really nice. I really like. It. So, are you for your uh, for your final texture in this sauce? Are you looking for super smooth, or are you looking for a little bit chunky? I look for a little bit chunky. I, I like the textures in it. All right. Well, we're gonna call that good just because it looks fabulous and it smells great. I can smell it from here, and I'm Yay. like three three four feet away. So I put uh, Lee and Perrin's Worcestershire sauce. I sometimes put a little shake of hot sauce in there just cause. Little Frank's. Little Frank's hot sauce, yeah. And then my favorite mustard to use, I feel like I'm on TV, is a country um, Dijon and it's it's got a little more um, texture to it. So, okay, so we have everything going together here. I'm gonna put a little cracked black pepper in here. Just cause I like a lot of people put a little red wine vinegar in there. I think, you know, anything you do in your own kitchen, you can personalize to your taste. You know, like right. sometimes I put a little white wine in here. So next I have an, a nice, just a California olive oil. And so you just, I'm stirring this with my whisk as I'm pouring my olive oil in it in a stream. Usually, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe half a cup or so. I think we have plenty oil in there right now. Well, I think it needs more garlic. I just tasted it a little bit. Mm. I think maybe the garlic could be not the best, but that's okay. It's what we have today. Welcome We're to Alaska. Yeah. We have a lot of other good things too, though. It's true. Amazing. Our tomatoes our tomatoes are garbage, but our salmon is the best, so. All right, so we're gonna quit uh, messing around, basically. And put our little sour cream in here. And, uh, oh, here's our spoon. So it's about a tablespoon or so. We just incorporate that into our little dressing mix here. And uh, changes the color and it gets it a little creamier. It emulsifies pretty quick. So it looks good. I don't know what it tastes like. Every time I make this, it turns out different. Every time. I'm gonna call it good for now. Ooh, it's very lemony. Mm-hmm. Extremely lemony. lemony. So if and it is extremely lemony. Ooh, it's good though. It is tasty. I'm gonna put a little more olive oil in it. And see when stuff like this happens, then I start messing with it. But you know, you know what, it's you know what to be I would add? Caesar. What? You know what I would I would add personally out of all the things what? that are what? available what? right here, I would probably add a little more hot sauce. Not go. not enough to make it hot, but but hot more. sauce and cayenne pepper in general has this sort of like ability to it perk up does. flavors. You know, it just kind of I know I makes everything. A lot of that. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Mm, yeah, it's definitely improved. Want some more? No, I don't think so. All right, we're gonna call it then. All right. So Let's there's our it. dressing, and so now we have our uh, parmesan. You know, and, and cheese, a lot of cheese like that tastes better when it's a little more room temperature. Mm -hmm. A lot of cheese tastes better at room temperature. All cheese does. Yep. So, and I didn't get this out before. That's okay. Well, but the nice okay. thing about, the nice thing about grating too is that, or, well, are, actually, this, mm -hmm. this is a good question. Are you a grater in your Caesar salad or are you a chunker or are you a shaver? I'm a shaver. All right. I like to chase the cheese. I think it gets lost in the salad. Um, because there's there's so many flavors going on with the dressing that it's really easy to lose the cheese. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna get our salad out of the fridge. We're going to blend um, the dressing and the croutons and um, shave the Parmesan and we'll have our salad. And it's all done. And it's all done, yeah.
Mm. You just want to coat your leaves, but you know, it's just up to you. If you like a lot of dressing, go for it. Look at that. Ta-da! Magnificent. Magnificent. Now we will eat it and enjoy it. Thank you. So then everything goes into um, the, we'll have these, both of these totes full with water. Uh -huh. and then you just do one rinse, a second rinse. And then I realize this is all covered up. You're not going to be able to see it. Oh, there's but, your, there's your salad spinner. Uh-huh. Ooh, it looks, it looks like you haven't even taken it off and it looks like a dryer to me. It, it is a washer <laughs> actually. A washer. Yes. So this is the Craig Matthews Super Salad Spinner, named after the engineer who put it together. And uh, <laughs> oh, um, so nice. this is a laundry just basket. A, it would be a laundry basket. This is a, a food grade um, garbage can that has been <laughs> drilled with a lot of holes, and uh, then we created this thing that goes up over the top of the. Um, what would that be called? The agitator, the, the agitator spindle yeah. of the washing machine. Uh -huh. Yep. And so that goes over the top of that. So the greens never go into the washing machine. Uh, yeah. Um, so you can use a recycled washing machine to do this. And the only part of the washing machine that needs to work is the spinning mechanism. Uh -huh. So you will find many, many of these uh, at your local dump right. or from your friends. So you just turn it on and it'll spin your greens for you. That is amazing. Just like a regular salad. That salad. is amazing. So, and it just takes all the moisture out yeah. of your salad and uh, leaves you with a pretty clean, dry product. Yeah, that beats the uh, that beats the hand crank that I'm used to from restaurants. Which is what we started with. Uh, yeah. And we used to do a 25-person CSA cranking everything by hand. But anyways, and then we put them out on these uh, mesh and then we're just gonna sort through and pull out the chickweed i know right. you can eat chickweed but i don't personally like chickweed so yeah. i don't give it to my customers well it seems lame to charge people money for chickweed too and, and you can just walk out in your yard really pretty darn want. lame yeah I think so <laughs> so then and then um you know we've refined our process over the years we have a scale and we will bag them weigh it and 50 pound, we twist, and I love this thing. Look at that. So then we put them right into the walk-in cooler. I'm a little cool. disappointed because, you know, I every time I went to the farmer's market, I always imagined people just painstakingly put, putting the little tab at the top of the, of the, the spinny bag. You can keep that, but that is not how it goes. That's why we have these this, it's not It's not artisanal uh, bag closures not here anymore. <laughs> now, we're looking for efficiency because there's plenty of inefficiency in farming already i'd say you know the wonderful thing you know the wonderful product pay attention to your soil all that sort of stuff uh, make sure it's really washed to have you know good processes and techniques for harvesting everything keeping things cold like if we don't plunge them directly into 40 degree water we're putting them right into the cooler uh -huh. to cool them down yeah, so the, we're standing in the harvesting shack and it, that, i'm guessing that's the walk-in in there it is yep yep like any food get it keep get it and keep it cold oh look at that it's full of peonies <laughs> we would like it to not be full of peonies <laughs> so these are you know the bags that we took to save you more yep um so that's a uh, a mix of the salanova but uh and the greens. I'm going to come out of here so okay. we don't keep the peonies, uh, let them warm up. But it's 35 degrees in there right now, so that's about about perfect. And um, you can feel how cold the, the Ooh, greens yeah, are nice. coming out of there. So basically, like when, you know, even whether you're at home or whether you're buying from the farmer's market, get them into. Cold. get them into the fridge immediately yeah and if you're harvesting from your own garden especially things like kale or bok choy or any kind of asian greens but even lettuces putting them into if you have cold water cold well water submerging them right away once you come out if you harvest during the day and the uh -huh. heat of the day will prolong your your because basically they're like respirating you know when you pull them out of the soil right they're like a uh like you when you're panting after you've gone for a run and uh what you want is to cool them down right away because the right. more they respirate the more they lose the moisture that's in the in the leaves and then they will so about like ideally with these salad greens how what's your what's your longevity after you harvest? easily two weeks I mean, it, it's very rare yeah. that, that anything would go funky before two weeks. Yeah. 
screens are a big part of you know how we actually make money at it uh, the whole operation is less about making money and more about having a lifestyle you know I think of my farm as being like my fitness program and my social program and my gift to the community you know my uh, all of that in one uh crazy exhausting <laughs> organism but uh, if I think about it that way I realize I'm uh, okay if I think about it as I'm making trying to make money off this I might start to lose my mind a little bit but, <laughs> but uh, as long as you think about it the right way and it really does wind up being that it is all those things so have you noticed uh, over the last you know few years as more and more people have started doing the farming um, are you guys kind of naturally starting to specialize apart from each other? I think so. You know, when I bought all the gear to do and set up the pack shed and had a walk-in cooler, you know, I kind of put my feet down in the greens field and um, everybody else does that too. A lot of farmers are doing a small-scale CSA. Um, but, you know, definitely there are the tomato farmers and there's the cucumber farmers and there's um, everybody does it. Uh, there's there's some amazing root farmers, which I will never try and com compete <laughs> with. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there is sort of that naturally we don't really want to tread on any of each other's toes. We want everyone to. Uh, and in fact, I wish we'd do more of that because, you know, like for Save You More, for example, they could be selling so much stuff. I mean, it's great the foot traffic we have at the farmer's market, but a lot of people just need to go by the grocery store. Yeah. They don't have time to be there on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And um, for those people to have local produce in Save You More would be fantastic. Right. It'd be even better if we had it in Save You More and Safeway, but yeah. the corporate world doesn't yeah. have room well, for Well, you know, they need, they, they need a reliable supply too. Yeah. And tough. that's the thing, like if we if we all specialized and we're able to, you know, just say, okay, well, this field is for Save You More and I'll do beets and you do carrots and da 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 you know, we'd, we'd be able to fill a huge demand. Well, and one thing too, you know, something I've always noticed living here, like the, the topography of the land is so varied and mm -hmm. the, the climate's so specific that like, you know, one little spot can be like a totally different world right. than a place a half a mile down the yeah. road. It's like completely different. Yeah. So I assume like... For all of you guys, there's a lot of like, you know, broccoli grows great here and, yep. you know, yep. beets do terrible. Yeah. I mean, our yep. soil's so different. Like, yep. so, and, and really, it's only been maybe 10 years that the, the real explosion in people farming has happened yeah i mean it's i think it's probably more like 15 total but um but really the last 10 people have been um you know that everything has been really i think that the the consumer the the farmers were doing it before the consumers realized right. it was there and then now it's like every year we're doing so much more so the demand is so much higher right and then people are even waking up to the fact that you can get local produce here yeah. uh, a lot of people even after having my greens in save you more for months last year didn't know they were there so every year you know people are getting more and more aware and um yeah i think it's it's fantastic Check the Pantry is produced by Jeff Lockwood at the studios of KBBI in Homer, Alaska. Today's guests were Carrie Restino of Homer Hilltop Farm and Terry Robel. The theme music is String Quartet Opus 10, Movement 2 by Claude Debussy, performed by Quatuor Eben. This is the second episode of the fourth season of Check the Pantry. Your financial donation as a listener makes this and other KBBI programs possible. Visit the KBBI public radio website at kbbi.org support to help produce programs like this.
Thank you. 